Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Tuesday, July 28th, 2020. I'm Steve Baldwin, and earlier today I had the privilege of speaking with Hema Morales-Meyer, Director of Clinic Services with the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. The focus of our conversation was contact tracing, including how contact tracing works, how the information collected is used by the department to help combat the spread of COVID-19, and how we can protect ourselves from contact tracing scams. We've included a link to the department's updated data dashboard in the show notes for this episode. It's a great resource and is updated daily, so we all have the most up-to-date information on COVID-19 in L.A. County. So be sure to check it out. But for now, here's my conversation with Hema Morales-Meyer. I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about yourself. What is your role in our department and um, what's your background? Sure. So uh, my name is Hema Morales-Meyer. I'm a nurse uh, by background, and I have a doctoral degree in nursing practice. I first started working with the Department in Public Health in 2001, and I moved around a little bit. So I moved between departments, uh, the Department of Health Services, and also between the Department of Public Health, but came back to public health in 2012. Uh, In my regular role, I'm the Director of Clinic Services for the Public Health Department, and I oversee our public health centers. That's great. Thank you. And... Uh, has your role shifted since COVID-19? You're part of ICS, right? Yes. Uh, so as part of our COVID response, I have uh, oversight of some of the testing that we are doing actually in our health centers. Um, and currently, I'm also the director of the case and contact interview branch. Can you share a little bit about what is ICS exactly? And um, is this a, a local to Los Angeles or do other departments do ICS? Sure. So ICS is a structure that we use during emergencies and it's used nationwide. Uh, and really, um, other departments such as fire and uh, police actually use this more frequently than the public health department does, but we actually use it when we respond to any type of emergency. So in any type of outbreak, especially now with COVID-19, this is the structure that we use to respond to our emergency. And so it gives us a structure of who's in command and a structure for also identifying how processes happen within each section. And there's a whole structure behind it that's actually nationally known. Got it. Got it. Thank you. So as we progress through our recovery journey, we are experiencing some ups and downs. The messaging we hear in the daily news briefings includes the daily number of cases, which a month ago or so was heading down. Now the number of cases are heading back up. But with this ebb and flow, one constant we've heard about is contact tracing. Can you help us understand what exactly is contact tracing? So contact tracing is uh, an intervention used by public health department, and it's been used for many, many years. Uh, But it's used to prevent the spread of infectious diseases, such as COVID-19. In general, contact tracing involves identifying people who have an infectious disease. These are called cases and their contacts, people who may have been exposed to them. Uh, We work with them to interrupt the disease transmission by asking cases to isolate or stay at home and contacts to quarantine at home voluntarily. And so is that why contact tracing is so critical to 
combating the disease? So we know that uh, COVID-19 is spread with person-to-person contact. So definitely staying at home is one of the interventions that we can do to make sure that it's not being spread. So anyone who comes into close contact with someone who has COVID-19 is at increased risk of becoming infected themselves and potentially infecting others, of course. So contact tracing can help prevent further transmission of the virus by quickly identifying and informing people who may be infected and contagious so they can take steps to not infect others, like their family members or their friends or coworkers. And so if I become a case, I become COVID-19 positive and I interact with a contact tracer, is that what you would call the person? Yes. The contact tracer. And I let them know, oh, I came into contact with these five people. That contact tracer would reach out to those five people to let them know that now I'm positive. Yes, and we do have a couple of different roles. So we actually have case interviewers. They're the people that interview the case. So everyone that's positive gets interviewed by a case interviewer. During the interview, we ask you who you've been in contact with, and we ask that person who who have they been in close contact with, whether at work, at home, or in other places. So then once we gather that information, the contact tracer will then contact those people. They will make a call. They will not disclose who told us that they were exposed to, um, but we do let them know that they were exposed to somebody and that they should quarantine at home. That's a lot of work, right? It's a, is it a lengthy process? It is. It, it, we do have to talk to people, and um, the interview can be a little bit lengthy to gather all the information that we need to find out mm-hmm. uh, from them and to really make sure that we're informing others to make the right decisions about staying at home and not being out in public and making sure that they're monitoring for symptoms. In some cases, we do notify them that they should also get tested depending on the type of situation that they were involved in. Mm-hmm. Is there a script that's used by the contact tracers or the team that are following up with people? Yes, there is a script. um, And that script um, can definitely, uh, we have two scripts, one for the case interviewers, which is a little bit of a lengthier process, because we do ask um, who their contacts are, workplaces, other places that they've been to, uh, whether it's school, church, or other locations. So we do ask a little bit of more information. Mm -hmm. And then for the contacts, we want to make sure that they're not symptomatic. So we ask them questions about whether they have any symptoms, um, and give them information about staying at home, but also giving them information to call us if they do develop symptoms and where to get tested as well. And how does the department protect the privacy of the, the, the cases that are being researched? Um, if, if I'm going to talk to a contact tracer, am I giving up my rights to maintain privacy or anything like that? How does that work? So yes, discussions with the health department staff are confidential. This means that your personal and medical information is kept private and only shared with those who may need to know, like your healthcare provider. Your name will not be revealed to those you came in contact with. The health department will only notify your close contacts that they might have been exposed to COVID-19. Then the data is collected, stored, and shared uh, in congregate to the state. So individual data is never um, reported out individually. I see. Okay. And once the information is collected, 
who maintains it? Like, where does it go? And do, what do we use that information for? So we do report information um, to the state. Mm-hmm. Our, and then they usually report to the federal government. What we report is usually aggregate information. And we also, we have a team of very knowledgeable physicians and epidemiologists who analyze the data and then report the aggregate information. Um, our website also contains information about all the data that we have and that we collect on cases and contacts. We'll put a link to the data dashboard in the show notes so people can go and, and take a look at that because it's updated every day. It's That's a, correct. Very robust um, portal. So what are the data telling us currently? Are there trends that, that you're seeing that um, help inform the department's approach? Definitely. Um, over the last couple of weeks, we've seen an increase in the cases from 18-year-olds to 40-year-olds. Mm. Um Interestingly enough, we've also seen a decrease in the number of people who are actually picking up the phone to answer our calls. And so um, this definitely guides our decision. So one of the things that we've started to do is to send text messages out to those who are not answering the phone. Uh, We know this is a generation that uh, may not always answer the phone. So we are reaching out to them via text asking them to call us back. Are you getting better response with through we text just, messaging? Yeah, we just started that this week, so we'll see. Uh, but but I think uh, we're all very um, hopeful that this will generate a, people calling us back. So why do you think people aren't wanting to answer the phone? Are they nervous to talk? I think, I think some probably are, but there's been a lot of information about scams and other things as well, too. So um, we, you know, people are hesitant um, much like anyone should be hesitant about giving their information over the phone. So as Conta, as the public health department, a couple of things that we've done is that we've worked with the phone companies to make sure that our um, caller ID says LA public health on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if not, we do have a specific number that we're calling from. So there's only one number that we're calling from and we will leave a message asking you to call us back. So uh, you can verify that, that it is uh, public health calling. We will never ask for financial information or social security number. That is not the information that we ask for. What's the number one way that people can tell that this is not a scam. This is really the department of public health calling. Sure. You can always ask the caller, the contact tracer or the interviewer to verify who they are, to speak to a supervisor, or you can always call us back and we will have that number with our um, information for the health department on there. That's really great to know. Thank you. I have one final question, and it's the one we always end on for interviews for this podcast. In the midst of this pandemic, how do you manage to stay positive? Where do you turn to find hope and peace in your life and in your work? Yes, um, I have two boys who keep me grounded and who remind me to um, stop and smell the flowers and watch a movie. <laughs> so uh, definitely, um, they are um, my grounding force and they really shed light. And to, I, I think it helps remind myself that I'm doing this for them, too. It's it's a community effort to be able to keep our community safe. And, of course, my family and my friends, they're my rocks. They stand by me, whether it's a bad day or a good day. And uh, they're there to support me no matter what happens. Well, thanks so much for sharing a few minutes of your time and expertise with us. No problem. Thank you. This episode of L.A. Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. 
For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health Podcast.